When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Everything is Black and White podcast, brought to you by Chronicle Live, bringing you the latest insight on everything to do with Newcastle United. You can find us on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, today joined by Kieran Kelly and BBC Newcastle's Matthew Raisbeck. It's a couple of days after the St Etienne victory up at St James Park, which of course was Newcastle United's final game of the pre-season calendar. Three new faces took to the field, Joel Linton, Jetro Williams and Alan St. Maximum. And we're going to start with the new winger, the uh, the Frenchman arrived from Nice the day before, came off the bench to a great reception from the 16,500 that were there. Kieran, he looked like the player that Newcastle fans love to see. It's a bit of a cliche, but a player that gets them off their seats, gets them really excited. Um, your, your initial thoughts? Yeah, I think in a strange way, it's the first time I'd seen him in the flesh and for a lot of people, probably the same, but you almost felt you knew a bit about what he was about from watching the highlight reel and that's the the tricks, the flicks and everything else. And it was interesting just watching him in the warm up, how, um, you know, they were doing the rondos and the piggy in the middle. And I was half expecting, oh, was he going to be, um, you know, a bit languid, trying tricks and flicks, but it, there was nothing flashy about him. Um, it was only when he came on, really, that you you saw, oh, wow, this is what he's about. You know, I think the first thing he did was was beat a player, drop the shoulder, and um, have a shot on goal. And you thought, wow, this is something a bit different. And I think that's what he will bring. Um, he has that X factor quality. Um, and you know, the thing that struck me as well in, in the flesh is he's he's got a low center of gravity and he, he looks quite strong as well. Um, he'd be hard to knock off the ball. So although he has, you know, the amazing technical attributes I think physically as well it'll be really interesting to see how he gets on the Premier League because he's able to communicate with his teammates speaks fluent English and um, he just looks a, a bundle of personality both um, on the ball and uh, when he's speaking most certainly I mean it's interesting as Steve Bruce has said you know the guy has to train hard he has to perform well he's not despite the, the price of paid which actually isn't that much in modern day terms of football but he's not going to be a first team uh, not going to be the first name on the team sheet if he doesn't live up to the expectations on the train and pitch and, and conducts himself well. It was an exciting debut, wasn't it? I think the game was enlivened by his introduction and what Newcastle have got now in him and I suppose in Almiron and Joel Enton as well is they've got players who can beat the opposition on moments rather than getting the results through sheer hard graft and endeavour as a team which they were so well drilled to do under Rafa Benitez and now with that individual flair at the top of the pitch and it remains to be seen which two are going to start you'd think Almiron and Joel Enton to begin with because it looks like Steve Bruce is going to go 3-5-2 um, but Sam Maxima can obviously work his way into the team or come on like he did at the weekend and excite people. And that's something that's been lacking as well. So while I know Steve Bruce has said that he'll drive him mad, he does come with that that sparkle, that quality, the ability to dazzle everybody. And I think most fans, however they feel about the way the club's being run, can appreciate 
the as Kieran said, the X factor that Sam Maxima will bring because they probably needed that in recent times. But while under Rafa Benitez, the players just had to work hard and had to follow instructions and then anything else on top of that was a bonus, was 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 excellent, was better. Um, I'm sure it will be the same under, under Steve Bruce. And as he says, he's got to put in the hard yards. He's got to show that he'll work for the team and not just be all about himself. But if Saturday was anything to go by, um, it looks good. Steve Bruce has got a bit of a positive selection dilemma now. You mentioned there, you know, who is he going to start up top? Which formation is he going to play? Um, and one thing that, that, that became apparent, I think, I don't know if you guys agree, but in the, the, the post-game press conference, um, at least for the, for the print guys, and uh, he, he did mention Matt Ritchie. He wasn't very happy that Matt Ritchie is out injured. Um, he, he said it's a big blow. He said it's you know it's not it's not a good a good thing. So that would suggest that Matt, Matt Ritchie is is part of his first team plans, which then throws in dozens of questions of where does Matt Ritchie play? Which formation is he going to start? And even maybe hints that some maximum, like we say, isn't the first name on the team sheet. Yeah, I mean, I think Richie was always going to be a key player for Bruce because he is a leader in that dressing room and he gives everything and that's why the fans love him. And I think Bruce has been clear in his first choice going forward is the three-five-two to give that a whirl. Um, having used all those years ago at Palace, having used it at Hull, having used it at Villa. And Richie obviously um, kind of reinvented himself under Benitez last season as a wing-back. So... I think had Richie been fit for the Arsenal game, we don't know for sure if he will be. It doesn't look great at the moment, but if he was fit, I could have seen him playing in uh, left wing back and Aaron's dropping out. But as it is now, you're looking at it, and it's probably Aaron's is in the driving seat ahead of uh, Willems to, to play there. So, you know, it, it'd be interesting to see what happens going forward. But I do think, yeah, it's it's almost down to San Maximan to, to knock on the door so much um, that he has to look at his his blueprint a bit and think well should I go 3-4-3 three, three and, and bring him in on the flank and put Almer on back on the flank or am I just going to have to keep going 3-5-2 and it's whoever's in form partners to Wellington Do we think that I mean this is just my suggestion but Matt Ritchie could even go right wing back and when Williams is fit we could see him filling on the left and that's how the, the two wing backs would, would, would be All depends I guess on whether someone else comes in for that right hand side um, which is a position that they're looking to strengthen. You've got Javier Manquillo, who has been incredible in pre-season, certainly in the last two matches. I haven't seen anything like it from him, a Hibernian. Um, and again, on Saturday, I thought he was very good. Yeah, and you've got DeAndre Yedlin coming back from an injury there, so he could have three options for that position. Um, and you could argue three for the left-hand side as well. But what you have got when you've got so many options is, of course, the ability to change how the team is set up. So while they may go into the season with 3-5-2 and it could be Aarons and Mankio or it could be Willems and A another on Sunday, we're not sure yet. Um, you can go back to the 4-2-3-1 or 3-4-3 that you've had. But there are always injuries. There are always changes. Players will get opportunities and in some ways, after the frustrations of the summer and lamenting the fact that the squad looks light in some areas, here we are with less than a week to go to the first match talking about maybe the manager having too many options or good options in certain positions, which is quite a nice situation to be in. Most certainly is. And we'll just focus on Lando Aaron's 
know, an amazing turnaround because obviously shipped out, I think it was over to uh, Czech, Czech Republic, didn't go ideal at all. Then to Sheffield Wednesday, where he did he did all right. Bruce was a big fan, he was a big fan of Bruce. So I suppose in one way it's kind of expected that he has been given his chance. But the fact that he could be in line for a start against Arsenal, considering last summer under Benitez it was kind of you're out the door and you've got to do something miraculous just to get a look in, let alone be starting. It's it's a fantastic turnaround. Yeah, I remember speaking to him when he was on loan, um, going back to March, I think it was, and um, the close of the interview, he just said, um, I have a target in mind, I'll let you know if I achieve it. I doubt he thought that he'd be reunited with Steve Bruce at Newcastle and potentially starting against Arsenal on the first day of the season. Um, but that's that's football. They're, they're, I think the summer's taught us there are no certainties. The, every time you think something's going one way, it goes the other. And I think with Aaron's, um, we, we all know the potential he had, how exciting he was when he burst on the scene. He's still a really quick option. Um, and I thought he, he acquitted himself pretty well against Lanetti. And, you know, it's a pretty new position for him. Um, he offers that threat going forward. I think the benefit of being, um, certainly in the first half, he was near the touchline. You saw Bruce was giving him instructions. So follow your runner, you know, pointing him along, um, you know, tell him to swing in across. Um, they they complement each other well and it's working well so far. And I think obviously Arsenal's a much different test. I know potentially Lacazette mightn't start, Pepe mightn't start, but there's real firepower in that team. So it really will be a good test. I think he's someone that a lot of fans want to see in the team because since he burst onto the scene five years ago now when he was 18 scored against Palace got the goal at Manchester City a lot of supporters have been behind him because they've recognised that there's talent there and he's been unfortunate with injuries hasn't he and maybe there have been some concerns about where his head's been at various points in his career but what has never been in doubt is the talent that he's got Um, Kieran said the fact that he's at left wing back is something that the player himself acknowledged is a test because of not when you're going up the pitch, it's about the other way defensively. So he does have to learn some of those things, which, as I say, he's acknowledged himself. But um, it would represent a remarkable comeback, wouldn't it? A stunning comeback from a player that was, as you say, in the Czech Republic in the first half of last season, in the championship in the second half of the campaign. I mean, we were at uh, Doncaster in the EFL Trophy last September and he went with the squad and was pulled out of it just before the match and they told him on the pitch because the loan move to the Czech Republic was in the offing. So it's it's a great turnaround. It's a good story and I get the sense that the player himself knows that this is possibly his last big chance at Newcastle <sighs> and he'll be determined to take it. The, the concern is, as you say, the fact that it's Arsenal who do have, whether this player is missing, some great quality in attack. And there was one occasion on Saturday against San Etienne when the ball was just dropped over his head. Um, and I think a player, might have, must have been Debushi because he was just high up all the time, uh, got in, got away, maybe put a cross in. Um, and Federico Fernandez had a word with Aaron's just about the defensive side. So that would be the only concern. At the other end of the pitch, he'll really offer you something and he can excite and he can potentially deliver um, something significant. So if he starts, I think the fans would endorse that move and, and want him to do really well. Right, we'll go back to Richie for a moment because I, I guess the perfect person to kind of have a word with Orlando Aaron, so to speak, would be Richie because he had to do the same last season. He had to adapt to this left wing back role. But the other thing you noticed, I think it was the season before when he actually was in front of Yedlin, was 
how much he was talking to Yedlin and just offering him advice here and then. Obviously, Matt Ritchie's one of the, the elder members of that squad. So, I mean, that, again, you would assume was something that's probably going on in the background, Richie just giving little tips. And, again, just showing it's not just on the pitch that Richie's, you know, in my opinion, one of the most important players, but off the pitch as well because he does offer that experience and he does like a good natter. Um, <laughs> we, we saw him in the director's box as well on Saturday. And I tell you what, if Newcastle United won an easy win, just put a camera on Matt Richie <laughs> because uh, he was he was just as uh, enthusiastic off the pitch as he was on it. Yeah, he's 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 a character, isn't he? And I think um, we all know how how demanding he is. And I imagine as a teammate, that must be pretty intense. But he's got really high standards, and I think that foundation that's in place in that dressing room is really good going forward. Because um, yeah, they've, you've lost a huge, huge character in Rafa Benitez, but kind of the the foundations and tools that have been left there. The dressing room's in a in a good state compared to maybe when Benitez first came in. Um, and yeah, Richie's a huge part of that, and you can see Bruce building um, around that kind of British core, really, can't you? Well, Matt Richie is is someone that I think a lot of people were quite concerned about losing twelve months ago. Stoke were interested, weren't they? And probably not the only ones. And there was talk of him maybe going to finance a deal for Andros Townsend. Um, but how glad we should all be that Matt Richie's still here. And right now there's talk of maybe a new contract for him. I think it's something that Steve Bruce has alluded to, hasn't he? Tying down some of the key players, the senior players, even though he's pushing 30, he's still vitally important to this team. And as has already been pointed out, he had to learn that new position last year. But um, maybe as you get a little bit older, dropping back is something that happens and it's something that suits him. But he is relentless. Um on and off the pitch, certainly with the way that he communicates with his teammates. If, if you ever get to see any training, if you ever see any that's filmed and featured on on the news, you know you always. If there's a voice that you can hear, it's Matt Ritchie's because he just doesn't stop and makes Newcastle tick in that way. And I think probably the advice that he can pass on to younger players or players learning a new position will be really important. But he really, I think, sets the standard with his attitude and his level of commitment. And he's, he was exactly the sort of character that Newcastle didn't have and were desperate for when they signed him. And as much as anybody else, he's been a main factor in why they've done so well over the last three years. Now, I'm going to ask you about the difference between Rafa Benitez and Steve Bruce and the kind of the atmosphere and buzz around the club. So, But while you put your tin hats on, one, the first question I want to ask you is that a few people have said this feels like that Steve McLaren summer. Loads of money spent with a manager or a head coach that fans weren't really on board with. However, I would argue that the character that was in that team back then is very different to the character that they've got right now. And again, Matt Ritchie is, is an example, but you know, Jamal LaSalle's, Fabian Cher, uh, I think Hayden's another one. Obviously, Hayden was there, but it, it's, 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 a, it's a totally different squad it is a character and and that's the main thing yeah I mean four years on from the last time in the Premier League at least that they spent big and again you could you could argue that maybe all that money wasn't spent particularly well or on the the right players but they had Steve McLaren there who it just didn't work for did it and I and I agree with you completely I think what Steve Bruce inherits is not only 
a squad of better characters, but actually a better starting eleven, a better squad, and a better atmosphere in the dressing room. And while Rafa Benitez is an elite coach and will always be loved here, um, the work that he has done, I think, enables Steve Bruce to come into a stronger Newcastle United in terms of the football, what's on the pitch and the training ground, um, etc. You're right, Richie, Shelby, Dummett, big voices in the dressing room. The goalkeeper, Dubravka, is so focused and I'm sure he'll have his say and I think he has the respect of the players as well. Lascelles is important, but even players like Federico Fernandez, who in the first half of last season was was my pick. I thought he was the best player and then around about Christmas time, turn of the year, he was out of the team. Cher had established himself. Lejeune came back. Fernandez couldn't get back in, but I mean, he, we were talking about him last year as potentially um, captain material if something happened to Lascelles, who subsequently signed a, a new contract. So there are some big voices, some big characters, but while some expensive talent has been added, I think they're in a much stronger starting position this time. And I also think as well that the way that Steve Bruce will manage them, along with his staff, who are by all accounts very, very good and good with players... Uh, Steve Agnew and Steve Clemens that um, I think that it will be different this time we hope you've enjoyed this episode so far just a quick reminder to please subscribe and review to our podcast through iTunes Spotify or whichever podcast provider you listen through once you're off Benitez and Kieran <laughs> uh, interesting blog post last night from uh, Benitez uh, we'll just, I'll just read out some of it and then we'll get both yeah. of your guys thoughts um <laughs> The fans appreciated the commitment we had when choosing to stay at Newcastle United and the efforts we made to continue being there. But unfortunately, as they say in England, a leopard cannot change its spots. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't know if I was the only one, but I laughed when I read it. Um, I think it's obviously the first time he's he's really put anything out since uh, Mike Ashley's interview and what was said in that. And um, I think in some ways, I think a lot of Newcastle fans... It's interesting if you look at the reaction to that blog post, how some have been very pro Benitez and others have been like, you know, let's move on a bit. And I think the way Benitez ended the blog post was 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 classy. You know, he sent best wishes to Steve Bruce and Newcastle. And you kind of hope that maybe that that chapter now is closed and that neither party has to resort to digs in the in the media um i think we we all know what a brilliant job benitez did and i think he'll forever be be loved by fans um up here but i think for the the interests of the club and for all the parties involved they they all have their own um respective projects going on as benitez calls it and he's wanting to make a success in china whether he's there a year or 18 months he wants to he wants to make that work and Newcastle have a huge, huge season and a huge game to prepare for. So yeah, it was it was a bit unusual to to see it come out like that. But I think he equally he hasn't been since he did um, that interview when he left. He's been pretty quiet in the media, hasn't he? I think he he wanted to put that out as his own thing rather than you know getting a journalist involved, which you know you have to say is is probably the way to do it. But you'd hope that's the end of it. Do you think Matthew that is what he's trying to do? We'll just read the other kind of interesting bit from it. Uh, a lot of things kept us attached to the club, to the city and to its fans, but a lack of project as well as unfulfilled promises meant we had to look forwards and follow a different path as others such as Alan Shearer and Kevin Keegan have done while continuing to be supported and to support the team. 
again, he's referring to his, to, you know, to the, to the, you would guess the things like not being able to sign Andres Townsend in that championship season or uh, the promise of X amount of funds or full control of the transfers. But for you, do you think, right, this is it, Benitez has got his, his grievances out in the open and that will be the end of it? It's a response, isn't it, to what Mike Ashley said and I'm sure Rafa Benitez could have said more uh, during that or in that post on his website but the fact that he didn't again I think is um, him being dignified about it he's got every right to respond and put some points across and we all know to what he's referring when uh, he mentions unfulfilled promises we know who he's referring to about um, a leopard can't change its spots and the fact that you know it's just a little nod to what happened with Alan Shearer and Kevin Keegan um, is something that will be well received by the supporters because whether you are a fan who has never been to a game before, you don't even live in the country, never mind the northeast, or whether you've been a season ticket holder and you're boycotting, whether you are not going to go back at all until Mike Ashley's gone, whether you're just going to miss the Arsenal game or maybe you've decided to renew and to stay and support the team. I think whatever your position on all of that... You're all, we're all united in having great respect and admiration for Rafa Benitez as a person and for the job that he did at Newcastle. And firstly, for the fact that he stayed with the club when it would have been very easy three years ago for him to go elsewhere. So anytime he speaks, we're going to be interested. We want to hear from him. We'd love to hear more and more, but perhaps, and I hope you're right, Kieran, that <laughs> it just draws a line under it. And maybe you can move on a little bit and just focus on the football for a while because no doubt Rafa Benitez will speak about this again further down the line. Maybe if and when he comes back to England uh, when he's finished in China or if he gets a, a job in international football or something, I'm sure he'll open up again. But for now, it would perhaps be nice just to move away from that. But that doesn't mean that any level of respect or admiration for Rafa Benitez has to be lessened. And we've got tin hats strapped on. <laughs> Just keep them on all season. Oh, God. <laughs> Do we feel that there is a change in... I don't know if atmosphere is the right word, but some people are suggesting that, that there has been a change in mood at St James' Park since Rafa Benitez's exit. Now, this is it's not saying the fans have, have suddenly fully warmed to Steve Bruce or forgiving Mike Ashley for the mistakes and decisions made, but there does seem to be... I don't know if there's a sense of relief... Because it, this whole thing with Benitez has been going on for so long, no one knew was he stopping, was he staying. It's now been decided, and I think for those fans who did go on Saturday, there was just a sense of excitement at seeing a bit more attacking, a bit more freedom, and there does seem to be that sense of kind of right. This is what we've got. We know what what's happened now. Going in, into the new season, is a sense of relief. I think personally, it's maybe too early to say. I think it'd be interesting to see the attendance um, for the Arsenal game. Obviously, it's too early to judge when it comes to pre-season friendlies. The final pre-season friendly, St. James's Park, I don't think has topped 24,000 in the past three summers. And obviously, it's 16,686, I think, um, on Saturday. Listen, I think as as reporters, you you want to, to see the team doing well. And um, the last thing you'd want now is for what happened last season, where they go 10 league games out winning, um, down the bottom three and it's a real struggle going into the winter you you want to see on on Sunday that um, the team 
give Arsenal a real good go and and you know get a result. You know, I think that's what you want to see Newcastle fulfil their potential. Um, with the supporters, I think um, there, there may be a degree of apathy still in the air, and you know, um, I, I think it is sad that some have felt that for being season ticket holders for so long that it was the last straw what happened in the summer as a football fan I find that really really uh, sad to hear you know that these people Newcastle United spend their life every week every weekend for, for so many years and they feel that the club has, has gone a different direction what can get supporters back on side is obviously results um, exciting new players and, and that sense of unity again and for me personally, I don't think we will really know if that's in the air until um, until the coming weeks. I agree with you. It's just sad, isn't it? It's sad that there are fans who feel that they can't go and support their team. And why should any football fan ever be put in a position where that's the case? It's, it's awful. It's horrible. And three new signings, two of them significant investments by the club, don't heal the wounds they don't undo what's gone on over the past 12 years but they needed these players like they did with Yetro Willems who's come in as well on loan so although players have gone out and some haven't been replaced because it's six out and three in although a number have come back from loan spells away um, the squad and the team probably looks as strong as it has done since uh, maybe that summer under Steve McLaren, certainly as strong as it's been in the last two or three years, it presents some fans, I think, with a dilemma because, of course, they want to go and support their team. And even if they want um, change and change quickly at the top of the club, as we know so many of them do, how can you go and justify going if you feel like it is not the Newcastle United that you've grown up supporting or that you've supported for however many years. It's really, really difficult. And Steve Bruce has come into this and what's gone on before is not his fault. But in the eyes of some fans, he is Mike Ashley's man because he's taken the job to work under the owner. And that would have been the case whoever had replaced Rafa Benitez, whether it was Steve Bruce or somebody else. Um, Rafa Benitez was a unifying force. He was glue wasn't he holding the fans and the club together and the fact that he went um, just well it fractured that relationship again didn't it so I don't think we're going to know how things are really for a little while I agree with you results can help and maybe it, it can bring some fans back but as we know from supporters whether they are the most militant ones whether they are aligned to any of these protest groups or maybe um they're not, but maybe they've just had enough that nothing will change really until the club is sold. And that seems to be um, top of most fans' wish lists. But at the same time, they're a Premier League club and they finished 10th and 13th last season with an extra point than the 10th place season. The squad's been added to. There's some good young players coming through. And there are, as there always have been, despite the problems, and every club's got problems, some really good things and some nice things and some positive things about Newcastle United. And I just think, as you say, it's that word. It's sad that there are many fans out there that feel as if they can't enjoy it and immerse themselves in it because of how they feel about the way their club is being run and the direction overall that it's going in. 
On to transfers then. Transfer window closes obviously Thursday. We know that Seabrooks is still in the market for a right wing back or a right back. Probably another midfielder. Did it surprise you though that he shut down um, the talk of another striker coming in? He said, look, I've got five options. Um, that's it. He obviously said, I want to keep Dwight Gale. He's quite frustrated that he hasn't got to see Dwight Gale this preseason. Did it surprise you that he said, strikers? That's very unlikely to happen. A little bit, yeah. Um, I think you're looking at the options he, he mentioned. So it's really looking at that Almiron's actually a striker, looking at Muto as, as someone who could come on as a striker. So you're kind of almost looking at the ones beyond Joe Linton as makeshift a little bit. Of course, San Maxman likes to play through the middle as well. But in terms of out-and-out strikers, really you got Gale and Joe Linton. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a surprise. But then... You know, I think the priority was always to bring in that quality striker that they can rely on and they feel they have that in Joel Linton, um, bringing in someone who can give them something different in San Maximin and then obviously giving you that cover and that other option in, in Willems at le- left wing back. So if they get a right back in and manage to, um, sorry, <clears throat> manage to hold on to the spine of the team, i.e. Hayden, Longstaff, uh, Dubravka, Shar, you keep those players having lost Rondon and Perez, it ends an okay window, doesn't it? Because they've added to it and they've kept hold of some key players still. We've been talking about Andy Carroll recently. In the press conference with the print media, because radio would do a separate interview with the manager after the match, um, did he talk about strikers as in before the transfer window closes? This is it, yeah. Because if we're going to get into the semantics of it, did he say definitely... And, you know, for the next 12 months, these are my five? Or did he say, well, before the window shuts, we're not looking at another striker because Andy Carroll, being a free agent, can be signed outside of the transfer window. And we know it's something that a lot of fans would like to see, especially if the deal suits Newcastle. So it's an interesting one, that, isn't it? That he's kind of shut down striker talk, but that's still there in the background. Yeah, and he's going to be an option, Carroll, going into, you know, they could even wait potentially to... Till October if he hasn't found a club that, that option will be there and he obviously wants to come back feels he's unfinished business and knows the supporters will love him I think the the issue for him is obviously proven he can he can stay fit because Newcastle unofficially now are moving towards you look at the three signs they've made they're all 25 and under um, you saw what Benitez had to do to get Rondon on board um, just for on a loan um, I think it'd be a similar sell to a point with Carroll because they don't want to take someone on who, if the it doesn't fit in terms of the, the structure of the contract or the salary, pays you play, whatever you want to call it. So that is definitely one to watch. But it seems he has faith in the forwards he has to do the bulk of the work. Um, and that is to score, you know, how many goals they lost? 55% of their league goals in, in Paris and, and Rondon. So he's trusting the ones he's got at the moment, I think, to, to at least start and try and claw back some of that. But the suggestion was that it won't be a busy transfer deadline day, which isn't good news for us, <laughs> but uh, probably is for the for the blood pressure of Newcastle United fans and Steve Bruce, which, you know, he, he did hint that if any business is to happen, it would be done within the kind of the next few days before, before the window shuts on Thursday. Well, at least it closes at five on Thursday and not 11, because those sometimes feel like they're being stretched out and the agony is prolonged isn't it especially if you're hoping 
and waiting for Newcastle to do something, which has been the case in the past. But they haven't always been active on deadline day. I know Almiron was was it confirmed on deadline day last uh, in January last time because we knew before the Man City game that he was coming a couple of days before the window shut. Yeah. And Federico Fernandez, another older player, came in. Um, probably because of the injury to uh, Florian Lejeune, really, um, last summer. Um, but that will be good. And actually, compared to a week ago, two players on a very productive Friday in the transfer market um, ha- have made a big difference because I was concerned, like probably most of us were last week, when it was only one forward through the door and you felt that you know, hang on, they need at least another two and it's taken a long time to get one in. So you you had a fortnight and then they go and get two done in one day. Two good signings that I think um, many people are very happy about. Steve Bruce said at the weekend, anything else is a bonus, but we know that they are looking in a couple of areas. And perhaps what happens, and if anything happens later in the window, if not deadline day, could be determined by who leaves, who goes out, because there is championship interest in Dwight Gale. I know the Stoke manager, Nathan Jones, uh, did what a lot of managers do and said, I don't really want to talk about it, but... and then went into quite a detailed answer on why he likes Dwight Gale. Um, Leeds have been mentioned as well. They've just lost Kemar Roof, haven't they, to Anderlecht. So um, could someone come in for him, a player who's lost the number nine shirt and who had a great time at West Brom last season, who are thought to be keen to bring him back, even though it might be an expensive deal? Um, could that force their hand? There's other players as well because he's got to name a 25-man squad and there'll be some who miss out and perhaps one or two that felt that they would make it into the squad that might miss out, that might be better off going somewhere before Thursday rather than being left out of the squad that's um, submitted on Friday. But it has turned into, overall, probably an okay end to the window because they've managed to get three in in the last couple of weeks but obviously losing Rondon was massive Perez maybe it was the time to sell him they got good money for him but it's still a blow because he's the top scorer in the last two seasons and got 12 in the championship campaign as well Um, it's just a case of making sure that the squad is balanced because it hasn't always been balanced and that's what Rafa Benitez used to say we need to do something to balance the squad so there's still a little bit of work to do and if they can get one or two in and maybe further down the line Andy Carroll if that is still a possibility then I think yeah, going back to a point I made earlier the squad is as good as it's been for some time well there you have it a positive end to this episode of the Everything is Black and White podcast Matthew thank you very much for, for popping in um, if you guys head over to chroniclelive.co.uk keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news Thank you.